Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting great 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. This week we're all on Zoom. Uh, I have I have three boxes in front of me. One of them has Greg Smith in the picture. Greg, hello. How are you? Hi, I am very well. How are you? I am well. Are, are you so? So are you happy that the Lakers re-signed Anthony Davis and LeBron James, or are you upset that Anthony Davis signed a five-year instead of a one-plus-one? because now it means you don't get to poach Milwaukee's best player. It sounds very spoiled and absurd of me to say that I am upset about this. And that's you shaking your head. So you know where this is going. Yeah, I'm upset. Like I wanted people to be really upset about the, like the Lakers being able to sign Giannis. So yeah, I like to troll people by doing stuff like that because you know, like there's only a handful of teams that can pull stuff off like that. And the Lakers are one of them. So I like it when you guys get upset about it, but I am very happy uh, that LeBron and Anthony Davis are locked in for the long term, and they'll continue to contend for years to come. 26 year old. Is he 26? I think he's 26, 26 year old Anthony Davis or something like that. Better player than Giannis at this point, just yeah. re-signed with the Lakers for a five-year deal. And you're like, yeah, I wish you would have done one plus one. Must be <laughs> nice. Must be nice. And I'm over here like, we're going to have a starting lineup that has one guy that can score more than 10 points in a game on any given night. It's going to be great. Great season. No more Lakers talk. Aaron Sorensen is in the other Zoom. Aaron, hello. How are you? I'm good. What you didn't know is I'm only here to talk about the Lakers. <laughs> are you guys fed up with Zoom? There's a lot of Zoom. There's too much Zoom in my life right now. Too much Zoom. Are you guys as fed up with Zoom as I am? I am not. I have not been on Zoom nearly as much as some other people. Like, I just haven't been, so I'm not as fed up with it. Yeah, it's weird, but I would say it's better than some of the alternatives. Like, Zoom has actually been, like, easy enough to use in some ways, and most people get it figured out. Um, there are other people who are still struggling with it <laughs> several months in, but, yeah, I... It'll be nice. I was thinking about this. Oddly enough, I had just finished watching something in the uh, NBC Christmas, like Rockefeller tree special came on and I'm watching the hosts and they're all sitting, you know, six feet apart from each other outdoors, which is the safe thing to do. But I just kind of had this moment of like, when will like people be standing next to each other again? And like, when will we be in person for something versus I actually had to think about it the other night, like with basketball availability, they didn't leave their seats to go down to a press conference. They sat in the arena on zoom to a room that wasn't that far away. It's just kind of weird. I'm like, I'll be, eager to see people in person 
because right now it, it just feels so strange. Like the fact that we have press conferences when we're in the same building, but just in different rooms. <laughs> yeah. Like when will it be where we'll like see like someone standing closer and not kind of recoil though? Like that's the other side of that too. I mean, I've always been like that. So <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Fauci says that, that everybody's going to be in stadiums for fall of 2021 to watch I, sports. I need him to move that timeline up a little bit, though, because I have a wedding that I'd like to not have to replan. So, like, what is he thinking for April? Can, like, he can he circle back on this conversation? Like, are we just talking, like, next fall for, like, 90,000 people? And, like, maybe spring is, like, more obtainable for, like, 150? Like, come on. Give me me some more here, Dr. Fauci. Just, like, break this down a little bit more for me, please. Bring him on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sasha, I'll let you know when I get him available. <laughs> Perfect. Shouts shouts to Sasha. She's producing this week for us. Uh she is in Omaha and the rest of us are kind of scattered. Um Sasha and Aaron have a podcast. You can listen to it. Uh really good episode this week on Sarah Fuller. I would I would highly advise everybody goes and listens to it. Um and then Greg Smith also has his own podcast, a straight up breakdown podcast with Jay Foreman, uh, that is also very good. And I would recommend that everybody listens to it. Uh, and then we have a bunch of other stuff. So go to hailvarsity.com backslash network, and you can find everybody's podcast. That's where you can find mine. You can find Aaron and Sasha's. You can find Greg's. Jacob's got one. Brandon Bogle has one. Uh, Jay Moore has one. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff for you to listen to. So go there. Make sure you subscribe to all of them. Uh, make sure you leave a five-star review for all of them. That stuff really helps right now. Um, and then readhillvarsity.com because we we might have an interesting weekend uh, ahead of us. Nebraska plays Purdue. And I don't know, guys, like depending on the way that this week has gone, that might be the last game of its season. Uh, it, it might be like they, they might play that game and then they'll have a week off and then we'll be like, are they going to play that plus one championship game? Are they not going to want to? Like what are they going to do there? So, And then on, on top of all of that, we have – Nebraska needs to beat Purdue for some national people to stop saying that Scott Frost is on the hot seat. That is where we are five games into a 2020 messed up season. Uh, A lot of talk this week was about how maybe Scott Frost is not as good as we thought he was. And and I'm not talking locally here in Nebraska. I'm talking nationally. Um, Maybe Scott Frost is a little overrated. Maybe Nebraska is too far gone. Uh, lots of, of takes being fired off in Nebraska's direction after a 26-20 loss to Iowa. Um, Bill Moose did an interview with the Athletics' Mitch Sherman on Wednesday in which he said, uh, let me see if I can pull up the quote here. He said, he's with me as long as I'm here, uh, which to us here in this market, like that's not unexpected. Like that's been Moose's thing for a while. Um, dude, I kind of just want to like, just for posterity, just so that we can have this conversation. Is Scott Frost on the hot seat right now at one and four at Nebraska? Um, no, he's not on the hot seat because <laughs> his bosses don't seem to be all that upset, at least publicly, by what's happening. Like, I feel like Scott Frost has a level of support um, from administration, like, and he's talked about this, like everybody being on the same page, the regents, the chancellor, president, the athletic director, and then himself and his coaches are all on the same page. 
Um, and I don't think that has changed yet. And since that has not changed and it hasn't according to Bill Moose's comments here recently, then no, he's not on the hot seat. Uh, but I do think that there are a lot of questions and I think that those questions are fair and valid. Um, but I don't think that he is on the hot seat per se. I think his seat is getting warmer. I think it's, it, I think it's one of those things where it's uncomfortable. And I think we know that frost isn't going anywhere for a number of reasons, at least not this year. Um, maybe, I don't know, like maybe you start that seat to start to get legitimately warm in another year if things are going quite like they are now. But like you think about it, like this is not the year to fire anyone, especially from a financial standpoint. So unless you are in a situation where you really need to do it, you're probably unless you're Texas. Yeah. Or South Carolina who thinks that they should be better. His buyout is significant. Like his Scott Frost buyout is significant. And I'm not saying you hold on to a coach because of the buyout, but unless there's a reason, and I don't think Nebraska yet has that reason. So is his seat uncomfortable? Is he uncomfortable? Probably a little bit, but that's also just because he cares a lot. Like we know that about him for better or worse. He cares a lot. So, you know, it's, it's probably an uncomfortable place to be in, but he is, he isn't, he is not going anywhere. Can't say that about anybody else around him, but he is not going anywhere. At least not soon. It would, it would certainly be, um, it would certainly be weird to maybe even start having that conversation when you still have people furloughed within the athletic department when his buyout, I think is, is it's either upwards of or approaching $30 million. Um, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And like this season and, and we're kind of seeing this play out as the big 10 sort of limps to the finish line here. This season, particularly in college football, was going to have an asterisk next to it. And, like, this this season for sports in general was was going to have an asterisk next to it. Like, like, Greg with the Lakers winning the NBA title, I don't think many people put an asterisk by their title because everybody expected the Lakers to win. But I'm sure there are a lot of people, maybe even yourself included, because I do it too, that puts an asterisk next to the Miami Heat making the NBA Finals. Right, like if we had a regular season, they're probably not in the NBA Finals, right? So like this season's weird. Weird stuff is going to happen. Lots of weird stuff is going to happen, and like you can look at at the way Nebraska's played and say, yeah, it's a lot of the same that we've seen over the first two years. Um, but I mean, Scott talks about this, and and it and it it's almost kind of got it's it's almost been talked about too much to the point where it sounds like excuse making but at the end of the day it's still not they didn't get spring practices they haven't had bowl practices in like four years like this is a very very young team and you can fault frost for that fact that it is a young team but when you have a young team you're going to make mistakes and nebraska continues to make mistakes at, at crucial moments and so you know like the the national people that will write like Scott Frost is on the hot seat like I mean they're gonna do that just because he's one and four and because it's Nebraska and because sometimes people like to to poop on Nebraska but he's 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 not going anywhere um, and and I think he still has support from a lot of people here and I think when he says I see progress I see where this is headed 
I see where this is going and kind of the trajectory that we're on. I think a lot of people here locally still believe him. You know, you'll get, you'll get people on Twitter that are kind of the, the, the loud minority. Um, but I think a lot of people still believe him when he says that. So let's go there next. When he says, I see where this is going. I see the progress that we're making. We are, we're, we're close. We're getting closer. Do you guys believe him when he says that? Or do you still need to see maybe something else? Aaron, we'll start with you. So this is interesting because I've been asked this question a couple of times, just generally. And I think, I believe that when Frost says he sees progress, he means it. I don't think he's lying. I think he sincerely believes he's seeing it. I don't know how much we're necessarily seeing. And I think, Greg, you have actually said this before, where it's like at some point what he's seen in practice and within the walls of the football facility has to be on the field. You have to see it there, too. I believe him when he says, yep, things are trending the right direction here. Like we are seeing improvement. It's just hard because I can understand why there are people who are you know, hesitant to agree with him or get, get loud on Twitter because they're like, I'm not seeing it. I can understand it because it doesn't sometimes look like there's any improvement, especially when you look at like not to dump all of the problems on one individual. Cause it's not all on one individual, but I just want to use this as an example. It looks like Cam Jurgens has regressed. So you have this individual who from, from anyone outside is looking at it and going, why are you starting him again? He, he looks like he has regressed, but then at the same time, Matt Farniak isn't exactly like, hasn't exactly been stellar there either. We thought the offensive line was going to be this strength in 2020. In fact, that was like one area that I had told people. Yeah. Tons of questions at wide receiver, ton of tons of questions here, 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 but like offensive line is not one of them. So the fact that the offensive line has become the question, it does start to make you wonder, like, where is this progress? Like, where is the thing that Frost is seeing? So I believe him. And it's weird to say that when you go like, but I had, you know, we're not exactly seeing it. But I think he is seeing something that is reason why he's sharing that with us. But at some point, it does have to show up on game day. So yeah, it's kind of a complicated answer, but it's it's one of those things where I think it's there, but is it ever going to – are we ever going to see it? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Aaron that I, I don't think that Frost is lying when he says he sees the progress, um, but at the same time, they don't give out Big Ten West championships for being practice all-stars. Like, that's not how this thing works. Like – so at some point you do have to have the tangible results on the field, but then it's really weird because, and, and I feel like I've said this all week on one hand, I could make the real argument that Nebraska is close because their games are close and because they have the opportunity to win a lot of these football games that they've lost. I think they're now what at double digit games under frost in which they've lost by one score um, or less. And so that says, Okay, they are close. But then you say the reasons that they're losing those games have not changed in, I guess, two and a half years, I guess is what we're going to say. And also were some of the leftover issues from previous to, to Frost as well. 
And it's on Frost to then correct and fix those issues to at least get to the point to where you feel like there are areas that are markedly better. Because the question that I would have on that, not trying to like poo-poo on Frost, is that what are the areas that you would point to and say, hey, from the time that Frost got here, this area of the program is way better than it was when he got here. Like, what's the thing that's so much more consistent or so much better um, over like this year versus year one? And to Aaron's point about Cam Jurgens regressing, like, I feel like there are more things that you could put into that column of regressing than you could into progressing, um, which is also just a bad sign. So it's just a, it's a really, as Aaron said too, a complicated answer. Um, but we've got to figure it out at some point. Is it regression or is it just stagnation? They've lost, they've lost 11 games by, uh, eight points or, or less. So one, one score, they've lost 11 games in, in, I think 29 now that he's, that he's coached either 29 or 30. Um, that's a lot. And and that's not like you've played in one score games. That's you lost one score game. So like you're exactly right when you say that the reasons for those losses have not changed. This the reason that they lost to Colorado in Frost's first season is kind of the same or some of the same reasons that they lost to Iowa last week, 26-20. Inopportune penalties, inopportune turnover, inopportune mistakes. And, it, and it's like the weird thing with them is mistakes at just the worst times. But is, is, is that regression or is that just stagnation? I mean, neither of them is good because Frost's one of the, one of the selling points with this coaching staff is their ability to develop. Right. And so if, if you're, if you're going backwards or you're just not going forward, like neither of those things are good, but I mean, like, is it, is it at least, um, not as big an issue if it's more just like the guys aren't getting better. They're just, they haven't gotten better, markedly better. I mean, it is kind of stagnation, but it's also it, like you just get there in weird ways. Like if we not worse, like it's weird. Like, so like it may be like, yeah, like it's stagnation because the end result is the same, but it's just like, like some of the strangest things happen to Nebraska um, during games. And I think we've all said this at one point, it just finds like it feels like they invent different ways um, to come out on the wrong side of games. And I just like, that is extremely frustrating for the fan base. I totally understand that. Um, but I don't know if that ends up making you feel better about the ability to change it or not. But I guess in the end, it is stagnation, even though it's happening in different ways. Well, and if I could also offer this, this is something that I thought about a little bit, and it's not a perfect comparison. And I don't want people to get hung up on the optics of like who was the coach and everything. It doesn't matter. Some of the body language that I've seen this year reminds me a little of the body language we saw in 2017. And again, it has nothing to do with Mike Riley as the coach or Scott Frost. That's not the point I'm making here. So if someone's like ready to throw the closest item near them across the room, hold on. Um, the reason I say that is, you know, this, this year we knew was always going to be really weird and really difficult for a number of reasons. You're trying to play through a pandemic, a global pandemic, as some people would call it. Um, sorry, I had to, I had to do it. Um, 
for anyone who doesn't know, I have like a thing where it doesn't matter. It's 2020, live your life, but you don't have to add the word global before pandemic. It's literally like implied with the word just, but live your life, do whatever you want. I don't even care anymore. Um, but it's already a hard year. You have all of these like emotions of the big 10, you know, you're going to play, you're not going to play now you're playing, but okay. You have a game canceled. Uh, you might have, you may not even play your last game. Like this whole season and leading up to it, this whole year has just been up, down, up, down. And this is a lot for people, their mental health. And then on top of it, you're not having a very good season. So whether or not they stay away from social media, which I think a lot of them do, but they're also, you know, teenagers, young adults, like staying away from social media completely is difficult. You're bound to see what people are saying. I know when I spend too much time, what it does to my mental health. So like you have all of this stuff and you start to see it sort of in the body language. I mean, I I give someone like Adrian Martinez all the credit in the world that like he has had the an ultimate roller coaster this season and has kind of somehow stayed above the fray where he seems like he's he's got you know, we hear that that speech to the locker room and he's still like very much leading through all of this. But even his body language at times is a little like you can see that this is wearing on him. It's I think I also want to just say there's some of that here, too, where I don't know how much of it is. But like when Frost made that comment after Penn State, like we needed this, I believe him. They needed that win so badly because it gave them some life It made them feel alive. And honestly, maybe too much so that they went into Illinois week without really like thinking anything of it. That's that's the thing where this Nebraska team is right now is it's riding its emotions. And in a, in a year like this, where you, you just have to roll with the punches. Um, I think, I think there's a little bit of it bogging them down and that's, there's, here's the thing, winning cures all, but also just like this season is tough on everyone. So I, I do think there's a little bit of grace we have to show through this where like, I'm watching the body language. And again, we're not seeing them in person, but the body language tells me there's some, there's some mental stuff here too. And that could be a big piece in our, like, I think a lot of people sort of share that with Cam Jurgens. There's a lot of the mental stuff here with him, even if we're being told it's not, I wouldn't blame him if there's a bunch of mental stuff going on with him. You're having a, you're having a rough season things are not going well. You're getting blamed because things aren't going well. You can't get the ball where it needs to go at times where it needs to be there. I mean, hearing Matt Farniak in the lock, like hearing that he was in the locker room afterward, like basically telling people this loss is on me. Like that's an incredible leadership skill, but like it's not entirely on him. That one moment was, but the entire game was not lost because of Matt. So I think there's just a thing where like, they're all trying to grasp for something and this is going to play an effect. So whether it's, you know, these regressions or other things, I think the mental piece of it is a lot more significant, especially in a year that is just super unusual and we'll hopefully never have to live through one like this again. <laughs> but it's also, I think your point is well taken too, just because it's even amplified even more, right? Because we Derek talked about how it's such a young football team. 
Um, and regardless of how you got there, it doesn't matter. Like it is a young team. They're playing a, a lot of young players that are at the same time going through everything you just said. Also just trying to acclimate to college um, and just new roles on the team and more pressure and all of that. Um, so there is a lot to that because as much as we talk about the culture and all of that, it is definitely not set. They are not, Nebraska is not in a place where they could have just absorbed a year like this. Not that many people can anyway in general in life um, but it was really always going to be a really uphill battle and a real challenge for this team to really pull through all of this that's going on I think the young player thing is really interesting too because I think that plays into it they they're adjusting to a totally different level of play and doing so where I think there is something to be said about the fact that they're doing this without having a normal college experience. Like I have thought so many times over the last few months about what it would be like to be in college right now. And I've thought like, so this is coming from somebody who's like had to postpone my wedding. Um, we've all had things that have changed in our lives. Like there, there are much more, like there are much worse things in the world. And I know, but I've thought about like, this would be really hard to be a student right now, especially a student going through like big change. So you're a senior in high school, a, you know, a senior in college, your first year of college, like you're already going through all of these things. Like you're all of these changes and and, um, emotions and this time in your life that's supposed to be so exciting you're supposed to have you know your dorm room and you're supposed to be able to just like I remember when I was in college like your football players and basketball players and like volleyball players their doors were open all the time like they're it's a very social thing and the social element has just been taken so now not only are you having this tough season this unconventional season but you're doing it without really most of your friends or the the college experience that you normally would have gotten. And I understand there's this thing where it's like, well, if you want to play, you should be focused in, but like we're human. There, there's something to be said about having that and having the thing that you signed up for. And I can see why that might've been hard. I'm not saying that's why all of these kids left or transferred, but like it probably played a role into a lot of reason why kids are maybe like, this isn't what I wanted because did anyone want this? Like, I would have hated this as a college experience. Like, it's, this would have sucked. So I do think there's a level of that where it's like the normal stuff about college, where you have stuff to look forward to, even just going to class and walking with your friends. Gone. All of it gone. It's, it's I can't imagine what it's like to be 18, 19 years old and trying to navigate that as a young player who's now also being asked to, like, step up and play really, really well. It's got to be a lot mentally, and I don't envy coaches trying to sort that out either. <laughs> sure. The natural progression would be for us to go into talking about the culture of the team, but I, I I don't know about you guys. I have no interest in talking about the culture of the team. Culture is overblown at this point. I'm tired of talking about it. I think one of the more pressing issues with Nebraska football is that it doesn't seem to have an identity on the football field, which is an issue. Greg, you and I have talked about this um, kind of at length. Why do you think that is now in year three that they still don't seem to have an identity? They don't, they still don't seem to have something that they can really hang their hat on and say they're, they're good at this. They're really good at this outside of like, I guess quarterback draw, but that's not an identity. Like, why do you think that is? And what do you think that they want it to be versus what it can be? I know that's a, that's a lot. 
the kind of, the reason why it had it had talk about the things that she spent a lot of time thinking about. I spent a lot of time thinking about this, um, and I think because to, to my eye, they have an identity crisis in that, and this actually goes to the football program as a whole, but it definitely then bleeds into the play on the field um, and particularly on offense is that I feel like on one hand, they want to be like the high flying UCF Oregon offense that Scott Frost has always coached in on the other hand, and has been successful with um, on the other hand, they want to be marry the like Nebraska old school toughness with a little bit of that Oregon UCF flavor. But then they're also trying to figure out how to do that in the Big Ten, which is significantly different, obviously, than the AAC, but also significantly different than the Pac-12. And so you just have to do things a little bit differently. And I think they they end up being caught in between in that. And I feel like I see that in their recruiting. Um, when you look at kind of some of the players that they really targeted early um, that first year, which were guys that were maybe a little bit faster, but a little bit leaner versus now where it seems like size, size, size has been the thing that they've been trying um, to really hammer home. And it's not, and I've talked, I've written about this a lot about the offensive line, but it's not just the offensive line. Go look at the receivers that they have committed in this class. And the shortest one is six, two, look at the tight ends um, that they're bringing in that they have committed in this class um, as well. And you can just see it all over the place. And so I think that there's a, adjustments on the fly, but I also think that there's an identity crisis of what type of offense specifically they want to be while at the same time trying to figure out which version of this needs to happen for us to actually be successful in this conference, um, which is a whole different, I guess, discussion. But I just think it all comes down to having that identity crisis. But I think ultimately they would like to be able to marry the two, just as Frost said, you know, early on, I think it was in the introductory press conference uh, about taking Nebraska power and Oregon slash UCF speed and being able to put that together. But as we're seeing the degree of difficulty on doing that is really, really high because you're trying to put together two styles of play that don't always necessarily go together. Sure. And he's I, I do want to say, uh, sorry, I have to just say this really quick. You did make me think, think about this. I have been telling people, Scott Frost is just recruiting a giant basketball team. Like he, at some point, it like he, they, they have a basketball team with this size. So, I mean, giant humans, absolutely enormous humans. <laughs> yeah. He said in uh, Austin Allen could absolutely be a basketball player. Now you got me thinking about it. They could put together a pretty good group. I mean, they there's could. a reason I guess they loaned some out to the basketball team. Right. Um, yeah, Scott Frost talked about the uh the the kind of marriage of Husker power and and frost fast or Oregon speed or whatever you want to call it he talked about that at his first Big Ten media days that he went to um he said that was always something that he wanted to do and then when he came back to Nebraska he brought Zach Duvall with him to try to make it happen um and then like I mean people that listen to this podcast here like it's the very first thing that they hear Scott Frost say I'm hoping the Big Ten will adjust to us is it troublesome to you that that after a year and a half two years they were like yeah, that's probably not going to work. Uh, no, I'm. A, I actually am encouraged by the adjustments that you okay. see in recruiting profile because I think that you get in a lot of trouble being very stubborn 
Um, and just in people in general, but coaches specifically can get into a lot of hot water doing that. Um, and, and I hope, and I, I know that this staff is very bright, very smart. Um, so they recognize these things. And so to continue to make those adjustments, I think is an encouraging sign um, because it's better to make those adjustments and hopefully do better than to, you know, go down with the ship doing things the way that you always did. Them. Sure. One of the the weird things about this week, and maybe you guys didn't get this, but this was kind of like the way just just in looking at the way people responded to the to the Iowa game, um, I was really concerned immediately after that game with the state of the offense's play, just kind of like where we're at with the offense right now, and kind of keyed in on the offensive line. I was very concerned about the offensive line coming out of it. But then there was there was also a group of people that was that was encouraged by the way that Nebraska played. Were you guys where were you guys at coming out of that game? And kind of has it has it changed a little bit as we've gone through this week? Like where are you at right now with this team? Are you are you trending towards um encouragement over the way that they could potentially close or are you kind of like hey, it's not going in the right direction? Aaron, we'll start with you. Oh, you know, so I was asked the other night about if I thought Nebraska, like my prediction for Nebraska-Purdue, and I basically ended a non-answer by saying I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point. I think Nebraska has what it needs to finish a game and to win. I, I think Nebraska can beat Purdue. I think Nebraska can beat a lot of the teams that were on its schedule this year. I just think for whatever reason, Nebraska is struggling to, to finish games. And I know there was a uh, tweet that was going around this week. I can't, who, who put it together where it basically um, looked at so many games over Scott Frost tenure that were like basically lost Connor. by seven points or less. It, Connor Happen. Yeah. So Connor, good, good on Connor. He, he, I think he said he spent a lot of time and like, that would be a really like, uh, that would be a really draining, like, experience to go through but like we have talked about this quite a bit that Nebraska for whatever reason just doesn't know how to finish a game and like one of the examples I always go back to is that Colorado game there's no reason Nebraska should have lost that Colorado game absolutely no reason and yet it all fell apart and it seems like second half woes are just a thing it's like a staple at this point you see a team where I said that to you all, like going with Penn State at halftime. I'm like, has Nebraska scored enough points where they will be able to hang on in the end over Penn State? Because it didn't feel, I didn't feel confident Nebraska was going to score any points in the second half. So this is the thing that like concerns me about this team. Will Nebraska go out strong against Purdue? Probably. That seems to be about how they do things. Like they start strong. The question is, is do they finish that game strong? And that's the part that I'm not as encouraged by. I, I haven't seen a team that seems to know how to finish strong. So against Iowa, Nebraska had some momentum behind it. And then, you know, Matt Farniak just gets completely, you know, blown to smithereens and Adrian gets sacked. This is the stuff where like these little things add up, like in, in a, Big picture, one one moment, one play isn't going to be everything, but when they add up, this is what you get. So, like I said, it's not like that game came down to just Matt. There are so many other little things that led to that exact moment. I would say I'm neither encouraged or discouraged. I'm somewhere kind of just in the middle. I'm, I feel like 
Nebraska has the potential, but Nebraska also has the potential to like shoot itself in the foot. And that's, that's the thing that makes this question hard. I, I want to be encouraged by some things I see, but then I'm discouraged by others. So Nebraska has an uphill battle with Purdue and it's going to be made harder when you don't possibly have any running backs. You don't know if they're going to be able here. Sorry, not to say this, but like you're Nebraska. What's one thing you can expose with Purdue is Bob Diaco. We know Bob Diaco's defense. He's a prevent defense. He wants to prevent those big plays, but he's actually allowing as he does. You can take some shots downfield against Purdue because that's just an area of weakness for them. Can Nebraska do it? I have no idea. So this is the stuff that's discouraging, but at the same time, there are pieces that are encouraging. So I'm kind of just somewhere in the middle. I have no idea what to make of this team at this point. It's, it's so interesting because Bob Diaco, Bob Diaco like, he gives up big plays as he does. I like that. that was sneaky. Um, so on one hand, you are, I think there are things to be encouraged by with the offense. And namely, I thought Adrian Martinez played pretty well in that game against Iowa. I think when you also factor in that Iowa always has a pretty good defense and they have another pretty good defense. I think that there are some things to really be encouraged by there. Um, I, think maybe the most yeah hold on hold on can i can i sorry i don't mean to interrupt you but but it coming out of that game the one of the takeaways should not be that a high school quarterback is currently better than adrian martinez sorry (laughs) continue i I would agree with that um what i think maybe the most encouraging thing because it's been building over the last couple of games that nebraska seems to have found their rhythm in getting wandale robinson involved um, they have figured out how to do that. That is very important for this offense moving forward. He's their best player. Um, but it is discouraging what you've seen from the offensive line because going back to something that we talked about earlier, like that was supposed to be the strength. Coming into this season, we probably, I think in that preview pod, all said that the offensive line was going to be a strength. There were questions everywhere else, but the offensive line being a strength would allow you to kind of ease into some of those other questions or make some of those other questions um, be appear a little bit lesser maybe because the offensive line helps everything. That part is really, really concerning. Um, it's funny that we've essentially spent this entire time talking about the offense and what it needs to do. We've not talked about the defense at all. Derek is smiling because I can see him. Um, and you, you know where I'm going with this. I think the defense has been good enough to win Nebraska a lot more football games than they've won over these last three years, um, including that game last week against Iowa. That defense played well enough to win that game, and I think you saw some of them this week either basically say that or allude to that fact. Um, so I feel really good about where the defense is going as long as they bring the same energy and intensity that they brought in this game against Iowa and against Penn State and some of the other games versus what they did against Illinois. I guess I have to put that caveat on that as well because you just never know. And so I say all oh, that to say that I'm also in the same spot as Aaron is, which is basically I don't know whether or not to be encouraged or discouraged coming out of that game because there are things to be encouraged by, but there are definitely things to not be or to be discouraged by. And I think the really big one is Nebraska's inability to finish, but also is it even 
just finish or is it maintain the solid level of play, right? Because when you think finish, you think of like the end of quarters or the end of drives or like the, the um, end of a game, like Nebraska has problems in the third quarter, right? So like they come out really well in the first quarter, um, but then kind of seem to just hit kind of a taper off point in the second half in particular. They're just not a good third quarter team. Um, and we've seen that by the amount that they've been outscored by in the third quarter. So I can go either way. I too think that we do have to get to the point though, where we stop saying that we could be, we wouldn't be surprised by any result that happens on Saturday. But I do think that we're in that boat again, where nothing would surprise me in this game against Purdue. Yeah. I I definitely agree with you that I thought Adrian played really well against Iowa. Um, I I think so like if they get the game in against Minnesota, which it kind of seems like just with everything that's going on this week, that, that, that that's a question mark. Um, you know, I kind of thought that we might talk about like should Ohio state go to the college football playoff, but I, you know, we'll, let's focus on something else. Um, but like, depending on how many games they have left to close out the season, if it's just this Purdue game or if it's Purdue plus Minnesota plus the plus one during championship week, if it's Purdue and then the plus one during championship week or whatever, like, I kind of want to see just like, will Nebraska stick with Adrian at quarterback? And if so, does he continue to show those positive signs? Um, and then another thing that I want to see is I was listening to a, to a podcast with Pete Thamel this week from Yahoo Sports. And he kind of said something that really caught me off guard. And it was really jarring to hear. Um, and my, he's, he's, you know, cause they were talking about Nebraska, obviously. And he said that there's nobody on the team that you want to watch. There's nobody on their team that people look at and say, this is a playmaker. This is an electric player. This is a game-changing player. This is a guy that people outside of the local market will know. And my knee-jerk reaction was like, did Wondell Robinson die? Does he not exist anymore? But then I kind of thought about it and I was like, how many catches does he have this year? He's got like 230 yards or something like that. Like if you were, if you weren't watching Nebraska every week and you were just looking at the numbers, their passing game is nothing to write home about. If you're just looking at the numbers and he doesn't have a touchdown this year receiving. I don't know if he has a touchdown rushing or he might have one receiving. I don't know. They've only thrown two, not a ton. Um, and so I kind of thought about it. and I was like, well, that is their best player offensively. Right. That is their their playmaker, their game changing guy. Get him involved more. Can 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 we see over these last two games, three games, just one game maybe, them finally bust Wanda Robinson loose a little bit and just start to get some some positive momentum going with the offense and some things to feel good about heading into the offseason. So we have a little bit of breaking news on this Thursday morning. We're recording this Thursday morning a lot earlier than we normally do. So if you're listening to this right now, it means that Scott Frost didn't say anything crazy during his Thursday press conference because we're recording this before that Thursday availability. And shortly before we started recording, uh, news broke that UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton has decided to put his name in the transfer portal. Guys, Mackenzie Milton was Scott Frost's guy in 2017, the most efficient passer in the country. And that included Baker Mayfield playing that year. 
He had a better season than Baker that year, and Baker won the Heisman. McKenzie had a shot at it. it probably should have been there. Um, should Nebraska bring him in? Man, I feel like is this deja vu with the Joe Burrow situation? Like that's we- exactly what this is. Exactly what this is. I saw somebody on Twitter already that said, "What happens if Frost doesn't court Mackenzie Milton and he goes someplace else and throws for thirty touchdowns and then gets drafted? What happens in that scenario?" And Nebraska continues to get the same kind of so-so quarterback play. And- well, so are you are is Nebraska comfortable with is Nebraska figuring that somebody's transferring? Like it's I think this is the biggest thing. Well, if you bring McKenzie in, someone will transfer. Somebody, yes. Yeah, You'll lose right. someone. So who like who is that? And that's the question. Is I think some people, if you said it's Adrian, might be like, okay. Some people, if you said Luke, would say, okay. But what if it's Adrian and Luke? <laughs> I, this isn't one of those things where, and I hate that this will follow Frost forever. I think sometimes we're so literal, and I'm not saying we, I'm talking like, um, I'm talking like we, the general, we of the public, um, sometimes don't allow for nuance. When Frost made the comment he did about Joe Burrow, people use that to be like, he was disrespecting Joe Burrow. He was basically like, he was just saying like, is like, if you read the full comment, he was really more or less just like, is the, the person do, is, is the person I have not good? <laughs> like, I mean, I was that, literally about to bring this comment up. When you were just, talking about who's going to transfer, I was going to say, well, is Mackenzie Milton better than what they got? But like, that's the thing is like maybe McKinsey is but there's more there's this is what I'm talking about with nuance there's more here than that you have to you can't just go all right we're gonna go get McKinsey Milton he'll come here because he loves our staff he'll hopefully be great but what if like Adrian Martinez who maybe fans maybe most fans wouldn't care he's like yeah okay i'm not gonna have my starting spot so i'm gonna get out of here and what if luke mccaffrey's like whoa hold up i didn't sign up for this either so i'm out of here like do you then start putting yourself in a position where you are now losing depth at the quarterback's position because you want this one person some people might say it doesn't matter because you'd have logan smothers you'd have heinrich you'd have Matt Masker. Matt Masker. Yeah. Um, don't forget about Matt Masker. Don't forget about Matt Masker. Um, no, but seriously, Matt Masker is a good human. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. That's the, that's the gamble that they have to, they have to play with these things. And when it was between Joe Burrow and Adrian Martinez, the reason that Frost, I think at the time was looking at Adrian is because he saw him as a more long-term player. He was somebody that he was going to have more, more time with whereas with Joe Burrow he was seeing it as more of a you know he could have been a huge blessing at the time but you don't know that hindsight's always 2020 I don't know it's a it's a gamble do you do it what what does it mean I I don't envy coaches in the transfer portal I my gut reaction is Ooh, that gut reaction is that you have to do it. That is my gut reaction, honestly. And to Aaron's point about like, hey, will someone transfer? Hey, listen, like being real, they are not winning with those guys. 
So if they were to leave, I think that there would be a significant portion of the fan base that would be like, hey, okay, that's okay. I also think that in that scenario in which you bring in Mackenzie Milton, I I actually think that it would be more likely that you could maybe convince Luke to stick around, even if he didn't sign up for that, but you've shown an ability to get him involved at least, right? Even though the way that they did it previously against Ohio State kind of has gone away. But, like, you've at least shown that. So maybe you can do that. It's a really tough spot either way because this question is going to, like, just be persistent until Mackenzie Milton picks a school. Um, And I'm probably going to be annoyed by it at some point. Um, But I kind of think you have to because because of what you've seen from the other quarterbacks as well and – when fully healthy, what you've seen McKenzie Milton do. It's such a unique situation because it's it's even more than the Joe Burrow situation where Joe was not as good as he was in the year that propelled him to the number one pick previous to that, right? Which is also part of what made him, like made Adrian, I thought, the correct choice to go with in that scenario. But McKenzie Milton, the last time we saw him, was excellent. Right. And so if you think that it's going to check out and oh, by the way, there's no guarantee that he would come back 100 percent and be able to fully make it anyway. So that's another reason if you're one of those quarterbacks to stick around, Um, not that you would ever wish injury on someone, but you just have to kind of play the odds. Long story short, I think you have to do it. My gut reaction. This might be the first time in the history of this podcast that I've disagreed with you, that I disagreed with something that you said. We never disagreed. What if you, what if it's just simply about the optics and you just need to say you did it? So you're like, McKinsey, we've got a good relationship. We want you to be a coach here when you're done. We got a GA spot. So like, we're going to recruit you out of the portal. Don't accept it. (laughs) I'm winking. Winking doesn't come across on a podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They can't do that. That would be terrible. (laughs) Here's the thing. Mackenzie Milton hasn't played in two years. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee that he's going to come back and be the same quarterback that he was in 2017 when he lit the college football world on fire, right? But he dislocated his right knee and he suffered ligament, nerve, and artery damage during that game. I'm, I've got the ESPN report pulled up. Now, he was great in in kind of talking about why he's leaving. He said that Dylan Gabriel earned that starting job, and, but he wants to start. He wants to go somewhere and start. He's got one year left. That's it. He's a one-year guy. He's a come in. He's like Trey Neal. Come in, give you a year, and then he's gone. He wants to start. He probably wants to have a good year so that he can have a shot at the NFL. Why would he want to come to Nebraska and compete with Luke McCaffrey and Logan Smothers and potentially Adrian Martinez? Like, it's, he, he wouldn't walk in the door as the starter, and why would he do that? Noah Vedral left because he, he, was, he was competing, and he wasn't going to be the starter. Like, why would Mackenzie Milton – walk into a situation where there are a number of other quarterbacks that he would have to compete with just, just, just like selfishly from his standpoint, like there are better, there are probably better options elsewhere. He's going to get linked to Nebraska because it's Scott Frost because he's Mackenzie Milton and Frost was his coach. But I, I honestly think the Joe Burrow situation made more sense than this one does just with everything involved. Um, we had a question in our mailbag this week asking if Luke McCaffrey should get moved from quarterback to more of a, a wide receiver uh, running back kind of player. And I said, look, have the conversation partially because 
the NCAA froze eligibility for this year. And so heading into next season, if every single quarterback on Nebraska's roster returns and Heinrich Harper enrolls in, in the program, which he's expected to do, they're going to have three freshman quarterbacks by eligibility, three scholarship freshman quarterbacks. And then Adrian Martinez, who's going to have two more years left. That's not a, that's not a situation you want to be in as, as, as you're trying to, to foster quarterback depth in that room. Like one of those guys is leaving. So like, if you bring in Mackenzie Milton, then you have him for one year, and then you're just kind of like delaying Luke McCaffrey another year if Luke stays or Luke leaves, and then you've got Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. I mean, maybe that's best case scenario for you that you bring in Mackenzie Milton, Luke McCaffrey, and Adrian both go someplace else. Mackenzie's great, and then Logan is ready to take over after quote unquote two years or a year and a half or whatever you want to term this weird season. Um, maybe that's best case scenario, but I don't think it's a slam dunk that McKenzie Milton comes in and is immediately the same player that he was in 2017. I don't think it's a slam dunk that McKenzie Milton even looks at this place and says, yeah, that's, that's a situation that I want to be in. To be fair, I am not saying, to be clear, I'm not saying that it would be a slam dunk that McKenzie Milton would come back and be amazing. No, I know. I know. But I also would say that what level does he have to be at to be an efficient quarterback in this offense to make it run better than it's running currently? That's not a knock on anybody. I, I just wonder, like, I think there's some wiggle room there for him to have drop-off and still be good and operate this offense efficiently. If Nebraska decided to bring in McKenzie Milton for a year and make him the starter, would that be pulling the plug on Adrian? Would it be pulling the plug maybe on Luke too? And is that a decision Frost is willing to make? Because that would admit that you made a mistake with one or both guys. Is that something that Frost is willing to, or a road that Frost is going to go down? I don't think it is. I think you not only... I think you not only create like, so if, if you get McKinsey Milton, you're basically saying Adrian's our quarterback. So you'd expect him to go into the portal. I would say that that conversation would probably happen with Luke McCaffrey. It would be, it would be, it wouldn't be an obvious answer either way, but I think there's a potential you lose him too. I actually think it also sort of potentially affects even a guy like Logan Smothers. And the reason I'll say that is not because it will take anything away from like what he would be able to do at Nebraska since you're only looking at one year. But I think it does also tell your quarterbacks, hey, we missed the mark on our evaluation. So we have to go get this guy. So that way we can like, I just think it opens up a can of worms that is... If you were absolutely like if something had happened and not like not hoping this happens, but if like somebody had gotten seriously injured this year and you're like, we are in dire straits, like we really, really need to get somebody, then yes, like McKinsey is the the person that you go and you pursue. But when you're looking at potentially having a fully healthy quarterback room and a lot of potential there, can you do it? Because the the optics of it might not look good even for guys that are in the room. And now if you're a fan, you might go, well, who cares what they think? We also don't want to run off everybody. So it's one of those things where I think Frost was very intentional when he said, 
And now that I'm saying this out loud, I think Frost was very intentional when he said, we would love to have McKenzie Milton here if he's ever looking for a GA or a coaching role. We would love to have him. Like, we will have that spot open for him. I feel like he might have known at the time when he said that, that this was going to happen. And so he was pre-establishing our interest is when he's ready to coach. So that way, at least he has that out there in the world. Who knows? Maybe you get a uh, McKenzie Milton, Logan Smothers situation, kind of like what Oklahoma had with Jalen Hurts and Spencer Rattler. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. This is going to be an interesting offseason for so many reasons. It, it always is. Like, it, listen, it's never boring around here, man. You just, it's just not going to happen. For sure. Well, I think Aaron has a hard out. Um, We've got some stuff that we got to go do. Everybody's got work that they got to go do. So thank you to, to both of you for, for coming on the podcast this week. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you for opening with Lakers talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, thanks for producing. Thank you to all you guys for listening, for continuing to listen. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Keep reading HailVarsity.com. In the meantime, listen to all of the, uh, the Hail Varsity Network podcast offerings. Listen to the radio show. Follow us on social media. Lots of places where you can find Hail Varsity stuff. We're everywhere. Uh, annoying that way, almost. Even on TikTok. I'll give it Aaron a TikTok plug. Huh. So we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.